Proudly coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Frontier Podcast. I'm your host, Ledge, and we are powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes and join the conversation at the Frontier Pod on Twitter. Giddy up! Imagine this. You get a call for a CTO job. The company has never had a CTO. It's a global company with boots on the ground in every country in all 50 states. It gathers scientific data in droves that very well might save the planet. What would you do next? Sherry Hammonds knows the answer. She's the CTO for the Nature Conservancy, and that's exactly her story. In this episode, Ledge talks to Sherry about technology leadership, coming to terms with managing and leading when you like being an engineer, and how to keep your team emotionally safe so they perform better under pressure. Sherry's career path has taken her from professional musician to solo coder through multiple M&As to trailblazing global CTO. Her insights and experience will leave you energized and inspired. Sherry, thank you for joining us. This is really cool to have you on. Hey, Ledge. Great to be here. Thank you. For those who don't know you, would you mind giving a two or three minute background story of yourself and and your work? Yeah, sure. Um, I um, have been a software engineer in the software engineering business for, you know, over 25 plus years. Um, Prior to that, in my 20s, I was actually a musician. So I know a lot of uh, Software engineers are really super creative, and so I was a musician for my 20s and then realized, you know, I am poor and probably need to do something else. So I became a software engineer and uh, kind of moved up the the scale. I've been in all kinds of uh, organizations um, from a company called Abacus, which was purchased by DoubleClick and eventually sold to Google. Um, I was the CTO for the state of Colorado, so I was in government for a little while. Um, was it at a company called Beeline, which does a lot of contingent labor, which is probably near and dear to your heart. Um, we sold that in August and then uh, recently just joined uh, the Nature Conservancy um, as their new CTO. They've never actually had a CTO before. So if you, you name it, I've, I've probably done it in my career. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a fantastic story. Just talk a little bit about that. You know, oh, never had a CTO and, and now what? Uh, what's, <laughs> what's day one, year one look like in that scenario? Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. Um, you know, they're, they're a great science organization and they do like really transformational science, but a lot of times that's locked, if you will, in a white paper or somewhere. Um, and so, you know, where I'm coming at it, you know, they, they said, Hey, there's a lot of technology out there. We probably need to to be leveraging it in a different way than we are, um, you know, can you come help us? So I'm really starting to just come up with strategies around, you know, everything, um, every way that technology might actually be able to, you know, make the climate or make the world a better place. So for instance, uh, we're leveraging drones in certain areas that can go and, and view, you know, areas that we couldn't necessarily get to and understand the impact of, you know, climate change or whatever. Then there's also a big data play um, at the Nature Conservancy because there's just this great science, but how do you actually make that, you know, from theoretical to applied? Um, And so uh, we're leveraging, you know, big data, like data lakes um, and and those kind of things. I'm, I'm about three months in, so there's still a lot around my strategy that has to be borne out, but uh, it's coming together and, um, it's a super exciting time, and it's also, you know, of course, very needed in the world. So um, we'll see what happens. That's so interesting. So an organization that big with 
that big of a footprint, probably doing all kinds of science, collecting all kinds of data for, for years. Uh, is this stuff yeah. is this like all over the place if there's no unified strategy or, you know, person sort of thinking about that? Is, is, is this going to be a big project to, you know, bring it all together and, and bring coherence to that, that huge data capability? Yeah, no, I think it's, yeah, it, that's exactly what it is. It's, you know, it's been, um, they're a global company, right? So they're, they're in every country and, and, um, you know, all 50 states have chapters. And so there is a wide range of, I would say, you know, both data and then, and then even products that have been built. So, you know, trying to wrangle that into, you know, a place that's consumable for all, um, and, you know, on a global level is, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to just pick, I'm, I'm building a small team. Uh, I literally had, you know, no, no one, um, to start, you know, and you'd kind of say, okay, here's what we need. So we're, we're putting together, uh, you know, a small team that, um, will start to, you know, kind of figure out where the most impact that we can make and how quickly we can make it. So for instance, one of the areas that, that I'm uh, very closely involved with is called measuring our impact. And, you know, we've never been able to actually measure you know, what is the impact of TNC as land preservation um, across the, the world? And so, um, you know, it's a big data play. We're looking at remote sensing. We're looking at, you know, all kinds of data. And uh, how can we, um, you know, start to really understand, um, you know, where we're being impactful and then perhaps where we need to, you know, spend more resources. So it's a huge challenge for sure. Um, and it is a lot of data, data wrangling. Um, but it's also super exciting because the scientists are very um, excited about it and, and everybody kind of wants to play in that larger space. So um, lots to come and hopefully you'll hear a lot more about it um, in the coming months. I mean, you've obviously been involved in, in all kinds of team building and uh, you know, organizations that you've acquired and organizations you've been hired into. Um, maybe compare and contrast a little bit. You know, it's like I've been handed a team or I've acquired a team versus I'm building from zero a team, you know, what are the lessons there? <laughs> yeah, no, I've had, I've had it all. Um, so, you know, I, in my, in my last job at, at Beeline, you know, I was you know, handed a team. They had a, a team um, of, of about at the time, about probably 50 or 60 developers and DevOps, et cetera, you know, kind of thing. And then we merged, actually, I, I, I was at a company called IQ Navigator and we merged with Beeline um, about 18 months ago, and um, then the, you know the team doubled in size. And, and you know how do you how do you bring you know two disparate you know not only technologies but just disparate cultures together? And you know it was a challenge. And I think anybody that was there would say it was a really big challenge. But um, we did it, and and it's actually um, you know we recently sold it and 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 did well on that. So, um, but it's a lot of I, I call it you know shaking hands and kissing babies, you know, kind of thing. You, you got to go around and, and really try to, you know, make sure that, that people believe in, in the goals that you're setting and, and are they on board or not, you know, kind of thing. And then I've been in, in you know, again, this role um, where there was, there's nobody um, and we're trying to figure out how to, you know, stand up the organization. Um, similar in the government, I was the first CTO that they had at, in Colorado and um, wound up, you know, standing up an organization of enterprise architects and then eventually took over all of the applications um, in the state, so then you know, wound up having you know five or six hundred people. Um, so that was that was really interesting. Um, and then I I was at a, a company, a startup called PaySimple, and uh, they had outsourced most of their technology to a company um, in another country, and they hadn't really had any rigor around it at all. So they just kind of outsourced it and turned their back on it. So 
um, I had to, to come in and, and actually wound up bringing all of that in house and, and, um, hiring all new, you know, development organizations. And, um, you know, meanwhile, we actually saw, uh, uh, seal the deal with American Express. Um, so, so I, while I was like in this whole like transition phase of technology, I wound up signing on one of the largest financial companies in the world. So we had to meet these, you know, grand SLAs and, and, uh, with this small startup team and it was, it, we did it. It was actually, you know, very fun, but it was um, a lot of late nights and a lot of, you know, how can we do this together? So I, I think, you know, probably what I would say is that in any of, anywhere that you are, I mean, you, you do have to build a team you know, that kind of believes in, in, you know, what you're doing and, and where you're going. And if you can do that, then you can do great things. Um, and I've seen it, you know, time and time again. You've worked in these different scenarios and, you know, I'm kind of wondering the, the path as you move from engineer up to, to CTO, you know, I, I'm sure lots of our engineer, you know, uh, brothers and sisters out there are, are thinking, you know, maybe there's a path for them. And, and at the same time, there are a lot of, of people, uh, you know, don't want to do that and, and kind of want to stay an engineer and, you know, bits and bytes and, and that whole thing. You know, how do you know when you're, you know, on the leadership track versus that, you know, hey, I just, I want to stay here and, and actually deliver my craft. You know, what was that evolution like? Yeah, well, I'll give it to in, in two ways. One is, um, you know, as just a leader in the organization, I think you do need to, to understand that there are people that don't want to necessarily be CTO and that's fine. I mean, there's career paths, you know, for everybody. And, and I think that getting people in the right seat you know, for what they want to do and where they feel passion is, you know, the right way to go. You don't want to promote someone who doesn't really want to do that, right? I mean, if they don't want to get up every day, then, you know, why bother? Um, so I, I do think that there's a, a place for everyone there. Um, for my personal journey, actually, it was kind of an interesting one. Um, I started working at this company called Abacus, and it was a very small, um, just had IPO, so it was a public company. Um, and I was like maybe the fifth or sixth, um, developer and it wound up that the, um, the guy who had written all of the code, um, I became friends with him. He, he and I, we, you know, drank beer together and, and, you know, I said, Hey, teach me everything that you know. And he wound up doing that. And it actually was a very hard time for me because it was literally 24 by seven by 365 with just me and, and him basically, you know, because nobody else wanted to do it. And when we IPO'd, he wound up um, making some money and left kind of in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I wound up having to take on that role. Um, I didn't want it. I didn't want to actually manage people. I didn't have any desire to do any of that. So it's kind of going back to your, your question. Um, and I struggled with it, you know, for actually a couple of years, but wound up, you know, really embracing it and, and loving the CTO kind of world. So, you know, I would say, you know, if you... You know, I, I don't know whether I was strategic in wanting to learn all the systems and, and kind of taking that on. Um, people say I either was lucky or strategic. I don't know which one um, you would say, <laughs> you know, maybe just unlucky. But um, but at the end of it, um, it you know, it, it wound up being the best thing for me was that I was the one that they had, you know, I was kind of the go-to girl at the time. And so when, when he left, you know, I was kind of the only last man standing, if you will, so, you know, there's just always opportunity, I think, for people if that's where, you know, your trajectory. I think you just have to, you know, kind of look to see where, you know, where you can make an impact and people will always remember that, I think. And that's the probably the, the most critical point for people that want to, you know, become CTO or, or wherever you want to be in, in your in your career. Going back to the question before that, you talked about in-housing a team that had been 
you know, offshored or, or outsourced. And, you know, obviously you've been in a bunch of different organizational frameworks. I'm working uh, remotely, right? So, you know, we espouse and, and have a lot to do with the remote work culture and, uh, and thinking. And I just, I just wonder how that fits into the, the big organizations and, uh, you know, almost the mandate now that you have to be able to support it. Um, but there's, there's great things about having people all in person as well. So, you know, how do you, how do you fall on, on remote and distributed engineering teams? Well, I've done it, you know, my whole career, to your point. I mean, I think you just have to do it today. And I know that there's been, you know, times when, you know, large organizations have tried to bring in everything in-house. And it's not, I don't know that it works. And, and I, I think especially with, um, you know, software engineers and, and, you know, in general, I mean, it, you know, it can be one of those things where you want to work by yourself for a while. So, you know, hey, don't, don't talk to me for a couple of days. I've got to, you know, finish this coding job or whatever. But I do think there's, there's also a really good, you know, thing to be said about coming together and seeing someone, you know, eye to eye. And so what I try to do with, um, you know, all of my dispersed teams, as much as you can, um, you know, try to get together on some level, you know, at some point, you know, in, in you know, anywhere maybe in the world that you can. Um, it really does help create teamwork. Um, one thing that I'm doing right now with um, uh, the Nature Conservancy is you know it's a very dispersed organization. I'm I'm remote. I'm the remote CTO. I live in Sedona, Arizona, and and there's nobody else here with me. You know, but I you know go to Denver. I fly around a lot. You know, just because I want to meet people. But we also are creating what we're calling the Innovation Lab, and uh, it's a design sprint basically for a week. And so we're going to bring teams in, um, you know, to to do things. You know, prototype whatever you know whatever it is that we want to do that week. And it's um, it's getting a lot of traction because I think people want that kind of human touch when they're trying to um, design something or they're trying to brainstorm or whatever. So that's that's actually you know starting to get a lot of legs, um, and I anticipate that it'll be you know pretty popular. So I think as much as you can see someone face to face, it really does make sense. I think Zoom and and those kind of video conferencing is really important. Um, you know, sometimes I don't want to really wash my hair, but you know. <laughs> But I do whenever I need to get on a video call. So, uh, you know, anyway, it's 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 good to see people face to face. But I do think video conferencing is one of the ways to do things if you can't get together. So last question, you know, we really um, we try to be a useful resource to, I think, you know, sort of engineers all, all over the world of, of different types and people who are exploring different career paths, you know, should just maybe some some light career wisdom that that's gotten you through on those days where, you know, things maybe weren't going your way or, you know, engineering was hard or being in an organization was hard, you know, what are some, some lessons learned or some places that uh, you can impart some wisdom? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. I, you know, I think the the best thing that I've learned is that when, when bad things happen and they're going to happen, especially in software engineering, right? I mean, things are going to crash and, and bad things will happen is that you, you have to remember that, um, you have to remember kind of where you are in the world. And I'll give you, a, you know, an example of a gentleman who, who actually accidentally brought down our email server at one of our, my jobs a long time ago. And he was, you know, completely freaked out, which, you know, because the email servers, you know, the CEO was mad, everybody's mad. And, and it was the way we got a lot of business. A lot of sales came in through email and stuff. And um, I, I watched him for a little while and he, he couldn't figure out how to bring the system back up. And I brought him into my office and I said, look, you know, I'm not going to fire you for this. I mean, it's, it's okay. You know, I mean, bad things happen. 
let's just figure out how to, you know, fix it and it'll, it'll all be good. And, you know, we can go and, 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 you know, make nice with, you know, the rest of the organization. And he, he literally was able to fix the problem in like 10 minutes after that. And so what I learned was, you know, you got, you got to kind of take it into context. And a lot of times when bad things are happening, people go to that, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to, you know, lose my house because I don't have work. I mean, you know, it goes to this like huge, you know, gigantic thing, you know, when it's literally, you know, a freaking email server, you know, so trying to keep people as a, as a manager and a leader, trying to keep people, you know, kind of with that context, but also as a person, I think just trying to, you know, make sure that you, you keep that context, you know, Hey, the system's going to come up eventually. We're going to figure it all out. Um, you know, really helps keep that, that cool head and, and you'll solve problems a lot faster. And I've seen it over and over again. I love that. Great insights. We're, you know, it's like nothing's that important that you have to kind of lose your soul over it. You know, we, we are still, <laughs> we're still pushing servers and, and software and, and it will come back up. I can't, can't do better than that. I'm going to leave it right there. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, David. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.